Hi, my name is Shoto, and I am a monk at Sokokoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your support for much of what we offer here. This includes building projects to create space for full-time and part-time practice residents. Thank you for your help. <clears throat> this morning's talk is titled, When Standards Obscure. When we run into a standard and we're, we don't really want to look and see what the situation is, so we uh, attach ourselves to a standard just to be safe, you know. At least I'm doing what I'm told. At least I'm following the rules. When standards obscure what is showing up in the consciousness. But before we do that, I'd like to thank everyone who helps us financially, spiritually, psychically, psychologically, semantically, and sympathetically. You thought I was going to immediately go into Sanskrit, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Because I can't remember any Sanskrit. <laughs> no. And also continue to help us if you can. And this this will only this will only continue to function as a mandala for uh, training your mind to see clearly the truth for yourself, not the truth that I'm trying to get you to believe in. Don't believe in anything. Continue to come here and help us. If this makes sense to you, but there's 40 windows open there. Three of them are in the monastery, I think, or maybe two of them. And the rest of them are out in the hinterland in all over the place. So continue to come, continue to participate. That's helping us and continue to help us, as I said, financially, if you can. If you can't, uh, attend anyway. So we need standards. We need to have guidelines. We need to have precepts. We need we need those, but they need to be observed with respect, as my teacher Kobanjino Roshi once said. You, you don't take precepts. You observe them. And I immediately knew that that's something I was not doing. And he was very directly pointing that out to me. He might as well have been hitting me in the head with a stick. That's how it felt. So if you are looking at the standard, if you're observing the standard, uh, then, then that you may align yourself with that standard, what, 90% of the time, because that's what is appropriate to do. But if you continue to just go to the standard, as soon as any situation comes up, well, this is the rule, or this is the law, or this is the precept, then you are operating out of your ignorance. You're actually or ignoring the open dimension of your mind and of the mind that is not available to you, which doesn't belong to anyone. It's everything. It's, it's deep, deep layers. They're not even layers. That's a relative term. It's not even a layer of consciousness that's available to you. It's available to the consciousness you. It's not available to the self-centered personality uh, that you have that uh, demands this and doesn't want that and likes this, but doesn't want any of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to elaborate on that. 
constant self-centeredness that is always picking and choosing, picking and choosing. So I would say don't obey standards, but observe, observe the standard. See what it is. If it's a red light, you probably should should stop. Simple standard. We all we need to do that. Excuse me, very situationally. You have to excuse me. I'm not really comfortable sitting here right now. So if I seem to be un- uncomfortable, you're not the cause. <clears throat> there is no cause. At least that we know of, yeah. So through the sitting practice of meditation, through awareness practices that have to do with facing a wall and teaching yourself, learning, reconditioning your mind, that is, grasps this, runs after this, pushes on that, ignores this, obscures this, obscures that. Training your mind to just receive, just receive whatever comes through any of the sense fields, including the mind, receive it. You'll be fine. It might feel terrible. It probably will feel terrible. If you're really feeling pretty terrible, uh, you probably are doing some receiving there. Probably the receiving is not done yet. You might have a lot more junk that needs to come into the mind stream and just be what? Observe. Observe it. Just like that dog barking. Just observe that. Just receive that dog. And notice how as soon as a dog barks, uh, immediately something comes up. Why don't they shut their dog up? Or why don't they feed that dog? Or why don't they take that dog for a, a walk? Anybody going there at all? Maybe a couple people? I go to all of those. And it's not a problem about not going to this or that or the other thing. That's awareness. It's when we attach a person to it, a personhood to it, a personality to it, a preference to it, and reinforce that with our it's happening to me. I'm the one who's offended. You can be offended by some by some situation and not attach your your identity to it. And you have to, how do you do that? You see how you keep attaching your identity to it. So that by observation, eventually that just stops finding a place to put its hook into. It can't find anything because it is dependently risen and it's not a separate thing. It has no loop sticking out, has no ring sticking out. Like back in the old days, they used to have a ring that went around on a, was it a merry-go-round? And you would try to pick the ring off the merry-go-round? Or was it the ring was stationary and you went around on the merry-go-round? Does anybody remember that? Was just was that just a nightmare I had? <laughs> Probably. So when I say, when anyone says, when the teachings say, don't pick and choose, that doesn't mean you're not going to go here rather than there, but do it out of your awareness rather than out of your preconceptions, your judgments, your opinions, your your standards that you have adopted that that you are using to protect yourself. Thank you for attending this. Good to see you here. So again, it's awareness. It's the awareness. It's not the thinking process. This doesn't mean we do away with the thinking. We stop thinking. Don't think and just be aware. Don't don't give yourself any kind of mini lectures on anything. Train yourself by facing a wall, facing the carpeting, facing your computer screen. Just turn it off. 
just observe, 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 so that by that attitude, the intention to just observe what arises, you eventually see not only what comes from the so-called outer dimension, other people, what's happening down the hallway or in the, in the next room, but also what your mind spontaneously or impulsively adds to it, your idea, your opinion, it shouldn't be, it should be. You can hear a dog bark without doing anything about it. It just takes a lot of time. And that doesn't mean that hearing the dog bark and hearing your addition to it of what you think about it, why Brad next door shouldn't do something with his dog. I'm not saying those won't come up. It's the personhood. So that's why you don't need to stop doing it. You don't need to be somebody else. You actually need to be genuine, which is what I yelled about yesterday at the, which is not on YouTube. So you guys don't have to be, uh, have to be uh, offended by that. Or entertained by it. Either or. Don't do it. Don't go anywhere. And how do you do that? You watch how you keep going everywhere so that the, the awareness of what you're doing, the awareness of your craziness, let's label it. Your insanity can be observed because if you observe it and you come back with, well, I'm just going to observe it. I'm just going to observe it. If you're really observing it, you will not get a credential for observing it. If you're getting a credential for observing it, you just close the door and you're looking at, I'm just observing. You're looking at a standard. Don't do it. How do you do that? Again, you, you see that you're doing it. You're aware that you're doing that. And one of the reasons we don't want to do that is that seems to ramp up the suffering even more. Suddenly, I'm the person that cannot observe a damn thing. I can't observe. I can't see this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm lost. I could not talk about this situation if I had not been there many times. I tried to make a home there. It's called Disappointment awaits. Pretty good cup. Not bad coffee. So again, as I've said hundreds of times, maybe more, it's about the awareness, not what arises in it. That's a difficult area because we continue to grasp our thoughts, reject our thoughts, believe our emotions, our feelings. And it's not that those aren't relatively, relatively real. Of course they are. So you don't have to get rid of it. This is why the whole idea of being being celibate or being um, not eating anything past noon or all of the old-fashioned ancient traditions that show up as monastic. I'm not against those. We would not even be here if it weren't for those really, really strong forms because the society was set up quite a bit different in those days than it is now. So it is about observing our response. Something happens, a dog barks, you know, why doesn't, hey, somebody just yelled at that dog. There's a response. <laughs> she shouldn't have yelled at that poor dog. And then other people say, about time somebody quieted that dog down. If we went, took a survey in here, we could, everyone wanted to have a little bit different response to that. I'm not gonna ask you. Might be interesting if we had more time. So when standards, whatever that standard is, when standards obscure, 
That's when you're opting out of fear with fear that you might not even realize you have, but you're just going to, you're going to go to a standard and you can do that as a uh, obvious thing that everybody knows about that standard. Like if you make an agreement to be someplace, you need to be there. You understand me? Good. Anyone else I need to look at? You need to be there. It's a simple thing. Keep your agreements. Keep your agreements. So important to do that. And when we try to do that and can't, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't keep that agreement. Ego, 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 ego. Keep your agreements. It's not, it's important for the person you made the agreement with or the situation, but it's also important for you. Don't live the rest of your life in some kind of a, uh, a shitstorm of your own ego chatter uh, that you're, where you're talking to yourself and justifying and don't defend anything. Don't defend. Just receive, just receive, receive the standard. And if you really receive everything, then when the standard does show up because of your innate intelligence, you will see, you will see it might, there might not be a word come up in your mind that says, well, this, this probably doesn't apply in this situation. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. But in this situation, the standard would get in the way of what you needed to really do something about because it's so situational and is dependently arisen. And here you are. And this is one time when you're not going to, to follow that standard. And, and you don't, if you're doing it and if you're doing it in this uh, community here, you are not going to have to justify yourself. If you have to justify yourself, then something's off here with this community, basically with the first C, CCC, communicate, that means listen. Cooperate, that means work with others. And collaborate, that means if big projects come up, you can actually, you can actually communicate, cooperate, so that you can actually bring the most intelligence to that particular project. Some people are very good at one thing, some people are good at other things, and to actually have a community where this is happening is very unusual. Usually there's so much politics in it that it just gets sickening. And then the people that really have the intelligence, have the insight, they just back off and they go somewhere else and just, you know, read uh, Stephen King novels. Because it's just better. It's just too many crazy people in the world. Communicate. That means Listen. You don't have to obey anything. You could you could use your own intelligence and look at the standard. And if you've agreed to do something, then do your best. Get some help. If you find out you can't because of this or that, then in this community, you can actually ha ask someone for some help on that. Go ahead. Is not justifying what we're doing different than just not communicating about what we're doing? Bowing. Say more. Total bowing. What's the intention of communicating what we're doing within the Sangha? Like as a resident bowing? Communication. CCC. You can't have the other two without the first one. You have to communicate. You have to communicate. If you don't, if you just opt for your own dynamic first, then that's fine. But don't do it in this community. If you do, if, if you if you can't communicate, in other words, listen to others, 
then you're not going to be able to do the other two at all. So my idea here is spend a lot of time facing the wall, much more than is recommended in other areas, I presume. I checked everything out. And then endeavor. And it, maybe you can't live in the monastery. Maybe you need to live 50 feet away or three miles away or in Virginia. Maybe this isn't for you. It's, it's very situational. There's no standard. Uh, you will never hear me that I know of, and things could change, but try to convince you to receive Jukai or become a monk or to even move here. I think there's a few people I've kind of told to move here because I, I could see that uh, that's the only way they would come here. That justification on? Didn't I tell Sensu to move here? Yeah. But I didn't demand it. I just said, you better get it. <laughs> it, it you know, and a year later, without any badgering. <laughs> my face turning red? No. <laughs> I like, it's interesting to see who's laughing the most. I did not badger her at all. <laughs> I didn't even badger. Where is Jesse Badgero? She's watching Aya. Huh? She's watching Aya. Good. I'm glad somebody's watching Aya. <laughs> I mean, that would be if somebody said, well, nobody's watching Aya. They didn't keep their commitments. She had something else to do. Go ahead. She's unbowing. The title of the talk is When, of, when Standards Obscure. So there's that aspect where we grasp on the standards. Yeah. But the other side seems just as seductive to place our own preference over the standard. So what is it to see clearly bowing? I have no, I have no preferences and have no standards. And the situation itself will show you what to do. It's just like, uh, I feel very, I can say the same thing. Uh, not that I, he, I mean the same thing that he means, excuse me. A trunk burner, but Jay said, when someone asked him, so, oh, something in the, I can't remember the context, but so who, who, who is your uh, teacher? And he said, situations are my guru. And you could say the same thing. If you, if you're completely present all the time, it's not a state you maintain. You just stop checking out. You're uh, someone watching you. If they're full of themselves and full of their own presumptions and ideas and beliefs about who they are and who everybody else is, they won't even know you're in the present moment. They won't know that you're here all the time. And, and from the point of view of being here, there is no time. There's no past and future. That's all made up. You can't really go there. And when you do go there, it's, it's your memory of that, which is not the past. You might as well be remembering the future, which has sometimes been brought up. Was it Kurt Vonnegut that talked about that? Or was it Winnie the Pooh? One of those guys. The Red Queen. The Red Queen. Yeah. Was, was that Alice in Sudetenland? Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. <laughs> I remember her. What a beautiful woman she was. You don't agree? You don't like to have this kind of conversation? Okay. Where was I? You know where I was? What's your question? She's <clears throat> unbowing. When our mind isn't clear and we're not able to see situations clearly enough to 
have them direct or guide or invite us, is there anything, any reference point we can do to, to be more direct? So this would be addressed to someone who meditates a lot, not to a random person who would ask that question, but someone who has a strong sitting practice. You don't have to have the Heart Sutra memorized or something like that, but you have some understanding of the teachings and you are training your mind. Then, then the situation will come up in such a way that you'll understand that you need to just observe that. It's called patience. The other way I talk about this is don't do anything unless you have to. And that may be very, uh, um, may provoke some peer, fear, <laughs> excuse me, on the part of uh, the self-centeredness, the ego. But there's nothing is really threatened. So you can handle that fear. The fear just comes up of being exposed or fear of being wrong or fear of not, well, if I don't do something in time, don't lecture yourself, lecture yourself about anything. Did I get close to it? Or do you want more? She's on bowing. Um, just wondering how we can take our seat in that in that patience when the pull to activity or inactivity can be quite strong. Let's um, just do it, just as much as you can. Just return in in your situation. Return to the vow. Return to the vow. There's no no personhood. You can't return to a really uh, person with a lot of self esteem and. Uh, with a really healthy ego, that's not going to work. That just adds to the warfare. You might be on, one of the people on the, uh, you know, let there be peace holding sign rather than, you know, kill all the intruders or something. It has to be done with awareness. So when that comes up, when you're confused, just be aware of being confused. The awareness of the confusion eventually there's no promise. I can't promise anything. That would be a cheap shot and not respectful to anyone. There's no promise, but eventually, I can still use that word, that which is seeing and that which is seen collapse into each other. No promise, no promise. But that which is seen, everything, and that which is doing the seeing are not separate. So therefore, everywhere you look, you don't see anything else but this. And if you look backwards, uh, or if you look forward, you're seeing the same thing. They are not identical, but they're not separate. Sandokai, the equality of sameness and difference. Long poem, short poem. More about that if you have it. Shizan Bawi, um, I'm wondering about working with this and, and recognizing how we, you can't how do we not apply the standard we're practicing with to others? How do we recognize the subjectivity of, of what we're looking at? Um, Very good. So the, the, the direction that I give is be as you're endeavoring to respect your own confusion, you have to see that you're confused. You can't respect your confusion. If you think you just know more than everybody else and are more on top of things and have a better insight into all these crazy people that are flocking around you, driving you cuckoo. If you don't see your own confusion, if you're not responsible for your confusion, then you will continue to inflict your self-centeredness on others through projection. You're projecting. Projecting. You have some familiar with that, don't you? Familiarity. How many, how many, uh, what are those called, syllables? You have your drums here, you have your syllables over here. <laughs> not really that funny. Rumi would like that, though. You can tell him that joke. 
Yes. Cheating on buying. Does um, subjectivity function differently in the context of forms, like the form of how one would relate to book study or even relating to you in a Dharma talk, there's a form. So is the subjectivity there different than our just day-to-day -day subjectivity? Bowing. Uh, the only word that's coming up the, in response is just situational, the subjectivity, objectivity, the grasping, the rejecting. If there's, it's, it's not that you wouldn't grasp it a self. You just see that it's unreal. It's not that you might not, would not grasp it another, like the dog barking or the person yelling at the dog. It's not that you wouldn't go there as a, a kind of a knee jerk go, go there, but nothing is maintained. So therefore the ego gets no, pardon me. Yeah. I'm not just itching. This has got to be disturbing to watch me do this, but I don't know how to do it. So apologies. Go ahead. Nothing yet. Thank you. Further? Anyone on Zoom? Go ahead, Chisho. Chisho Wang. Uh, sometimes you say it's like a mirror, and sometimes you say that it is like you're seeing yourself everywhere. No, no. Is that situational that seems like two different views if i may say so is that situational but oh i would say mirror or yourself it's i'm i'm basically using those images and they're traditional as you know if you read back they're the, the mirror like wisdom and uh, uh seeing yourself and everywhere it's not it's non-dual or subject object are gone and if there is any kind of subjectivity arising it's you see yourself. If there's any kind of objectivity arising, then it's more mirror-like. The, the object you're looking at that's across the room uh, is actually the, 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 the identity used to, you used to impute or think was over here as a person is now in that chair over there or now in that wall. And uh, this, uh, sometimes this is uh, very interesting to people who uh, want to uh, uh, take psychedelics because the illusion of that showing up in in that uh, uh, psychoactive material creates that just temporarily creates that illusion of you're not really separate from anything. Uh, but then, of course, since it's situational in terms of the drug, I mean, that's going to come apart, that will collapse. But if you see this, uh, you, you see this all the time, it doesn't go away. It, it doesn't it, because it, why? it has not appeared. It, it has not appeared a wall doesn't turn into a mirror. Uh, someone else uh, sitting here looking at Seito, I don't think oh, Seito and I are not separate and I'm, I look just like Seito and all I have to do is grow longer hair, I will be Seito. And then if I look at Sanho, then I can't even get Sanho to look back at me, can I, Sanho? Sweet. <laughs> Very good one. Further questions? Yu Hong Bowing. Yu Hong. How can we communicate without adding too much projection, especially it's already a hard situation? Bowing. Just as you've heard me say many times, just look at the look at the way you project. So seeing the projection, just see the projection. You don't have to stop it. You don't have to confirm it. You don't have to die. Don't do anything with it. Just see that your projection. 
you are pro projecting. This way, the awareness itself uh, is is less it, it is less stuck to outcomes or to being right or wrong, or it's less stuck to hope and fear, and is just consciousness. And it's getting closer and closer uh, to consciousness only. The, it isn't even a final thing, but it's sometimes talked about as being the final. The final thing you see is isn't anything. It has to be seen. And when I say seen, of course, I'm not talking about just eyes. I'm talking about with your fingertips, with your mind, with your taste buds. Everything is unreceived. Everything is unreceived. And some people see better with their ears than they do with their eyes. Mark, go ahead. We're going with the title when standards obscure. Are there times when standards don't obscure? Going. Well, they're always always going to do that a little bit because you're you're relying on something that is uh, relatively out there, like a stoplight or like a stop sign. Um, so you're, but 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 it's actually um, it's taking over because of this it's the situational uh, nature of it. Is you just can't come to a um, across uh, a, a cross street like. A good example might be when you come to a place where the signal light has gone out and then everybody's looking at each other about who's going to go first. And I think there's a isn't there some kind of a code there or some kind of a standard that says the person on your right gets to go first. Is that does anyone else remember that? So from from uh, uh, driver's training class in 1959. Yes, I am that old. So. Um, that would be a good example if you come up and the light has gone out. The standard that, that controlled all that, that would, it worked very well. People are driving this way. But then what changes that is if you come in, there's a, an ambulance goes through. Suddenly that light doesn't mean anything. It's the ambulance that means something. So we change over to this other standard. There are lots of ways that is set up. But sometimes it is set up so much uh, like the Uniform Code of Military Justice in the military. There, there's no, it's a standard, you, you obey it or they will lock you up. And why? Because they need to have people they can control so they can continue to go to war with other countries that continue to go to war. You, you see it everywhere, just war. And you might say, I might say, anybody might say, well, aren't there some good wars? Like, what if nobody, what if my dad didn't go to Germany and back in 1945 and donate his um, life to defending what, defending freedom is that what he was doing if, if you were if we were to get into a political discussion i would say why didn't they read uh, uh, timothy snyder's book about what happened in 1930 i don't think he had even written it yet but people are already being massacred everywhere in russia i mean you could go on you could you could make that into a you know, historians probably are going this way and that way about everything. You spend your whole life doing that and never look at the fundamental issue, which is what? Mistaken identity. You think you're a special someone here and everybody else is a not so special someone out there. And if you think you're right about anything, the very nature of ego is to think you're right and someone else is wrong. Wouldn't you agree? Why would you agree with that? Why would you agree? I trust you. Do you? So the next time I tell you to do something, you're gonna do it? Situational. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'm the teacher, not you. Uh, 
Strike that word. <laughs> strike, strike that word. Strike that word. I, didn't, I, I, I think I said some other word, but it sounded like that. Something about ducks or something. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's fine. There's, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to agree to. There's nothing to obey. I really mean that. There's no, don't, I say, don't, don't believe me. Don't obey me. I'm not going to order anybody around. And if, if you don't do what I say, I've already said to you specifically, there will be no retribution. If, if I'd say do this, this, and this, and you don't do it, um, there's, there'll be nothing, there, there'll be no consequences. There's enough consequences in the world. I don't need to add to them. I don't need to have followers. This is not a cult. If it is, do you think this is a cult? A cult? Well, go somewhere else. See if I try to stop you. That includes you. On second thought, no, you can't go anywhere else. Go ahead. Bye. Go ahead. You hold on. When you say setting setting up standards, uh, I have uh, two questions. Uh, first, one of the phrases I hear so often in this country from the students is they always always say it's not fair. And when I hear that, I have a tendency to to do something for their for their own sake and also for my work sake too. Yes. Yes. So my question, part one, as a practitioner, how can I look at this so conditioned being fair, not setting up standards for myself? Bye. Okay, so in that situation, you have to relate to the society that we're all in. We can't just be these, these uh, um, meditators who don't obey anybody. You no, know, you have to relate to your children where they're at and the culture that they're in. And I would say they, that comes first. That standard uh, needs to be uh, respected and looked at. And there may be an opening if you continue to see that you're actually following a standard. It's not what you would uh, uh, prefer to do, but it's something that the standard is more important there because of, of uh, I'm going back to your children's names, Ellie and Abe. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. But this is more about my work and my second part questions about them. Okay, go ahead. So my first part question is for me, so as a practitioner, how can I look at my own, like being so conditioned, being fair, relating to setting up standards? Bowing. I would just say it's a matter of just continue, continue, continue to return to the wall. It takes, it seems to take a long time. You can understand this intellectually way ahead of the time when you actually uh, when you realize this way beyond the person of way beyond the intellect down deep in your heart. And it's not even in your, I'm not talking about an, an emotional thing here. I'm talking about deeper than that. It goes past the emotions. It gives a quick wave as it goes by, but it goes further than just in, intellect and then emotions. And it goes deeper than that. Your knowing comes out of just, there's no, there's no sort for it. You just know it. And you, you know it so completely and so thoroughly that you're not on a pedestal someone can knock you off from. Although if they project that you're on a pedestal, they might come along and take swipes at you, but they might find that all they're doing is swinging at air because there's no one there. There is no standard anywhere for anything. And if there is, then it's a situational thing that needs to be done or doesn't need to be done. And that's why we have down through the centuries, monasteries and people who dedicate their life to this because it's so easy to just live 70, 80 years and forget about it and just uh, 
uh, try to enter the so-called rat race and get ahead of everybody or be more intelligent or more beautiful or more powerful. So I think you're, uh, let me say it this way, uh, you are doing it. It's just that we get impatient. We, we feel frustrated because we're not getting anywhere. I, mean, I know what you're talking about. Uh, this my, my understanding uh, functioning to show up here as a teaching person didn't start for over 30 years of practice. And I practiced a lot. So 30 years. I think that that's one of the reasons I try to make myself as available as I can to everybody, thanks to this technology. Um, it's helpful. So we can, uh, I, I think I could have been helped by that. But then again, it was the situation. Uh, availability uh, was not there for me to be uh, sit right in front and have the, have the possibility of, of asking my teacher a question every single day. And I'm available every day. Thank you, Baoing. And the second part is how to work with my own children, just my own children, Baoing. So I, I would just take your time with them, get to know them really well by listening to them. I know, I know children, they jabber a lot and they talk a lot. Ask them questions about things. Uh, draw, when they start to tell you a lot of things, have some curiosity about what they're saying and engage them where they're at rather than try to get them to do this or that or stop doing this. Just engage them where they're, where they're at. And I, I probably could give you some examples if I was sitting around with your children, but uh, we have, we have uh, our own uh, uh, training devices in here that we call children also. And uh, one of them is named Rumi. Then we have, uh, I think, Aya is here, but he, he's kept out of the Zendo because he doesn't know how to handle himself here yet. And then we have Maya, who sends, uh, sends her dad over. And he's here, thankfully. And uh, maybe eventually we'll even see uh, her mom, possibly. Maybe. But we will certainly see her. And what, what am I saying here by being a little silly? I'm saying just be respectful. Those are little tiny, uh, they're adults. They're already very adult-like. And they need our help. They need, they, they need to know there's a good communication with them. That you, you hear them. You hear what they're saying, even though what they're complaining about might be that they don't get an, enough cookies or they, they have to go to bed too early. Or, but, but engage and talk to them about going to bed too early. I'm not saying I did this when I was younger and had children. I didn't. But looking back, I think that would have been very helpful for me back then to have engaged them more. I did, I did give them a lot of rope, and none of them managed to hang themselves. So I had a lot of slack. I was reading um, Maria Montessori's uh, work then and also the, the, the school over in Europe. What was the name of that? Uh, Summerhill is another where your kids are given complete freedom to do whatever they want. They don't have to go to school or anything. So they wait until the child actually decides they're interested in something. I think the example that I remember is somebody did nothing but play cowboys and Indians until they were 14 or 15 and then decided they wanted to be a, a uh, instrument repair person. Who, I don't know whether it was what they were repairing, probably kaleidoscopes or something like that. But then they found out, see, yeah, you can do that. But you have to go to school. Well, they were able to go to school and learn English and learn uh, the, all the requirements to actually go into this school and did quite well, even though they had no, all they did was fool around their first 14 years. Now, is that always going to happen? Probably not. That's an unusual example. So I wouldn't say I'm not promoting that. I'm just saying it's interesting. What, it was A.S. Neal that wrote that book, Summerhill. 
But uh, some kind of a, a giving responsibility. Ask them for help. That's a good way to relate to children. They really want to grow up. And of course, they don't, once they're grown up, then they don't want that so much. But, um, you know, ask, ask for help in things that are not condescending, but uh, help me do this. Maybe you already do that, Young. I would think you, you bring your children into your life all the time. So it's challenging. They're, 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 they're human beings just like we are, of course. Yes, sir. Do we need to use standards for mind training? Yes, uh, just like the, the standard that I set up in the 108 meditations is come in, sit down, hold still, have all the senses open and just watch what moves. And that that could be that's a standard, but there's a lot of room in that standard. You could actually sit there for two or three hours and just follow your breath. It's moving. But what I would say in that, if questions came up around that, is don't fixate on anything or trying to maintain it, because then you're creating, you're doing something in consciousness uh, that may look like training. But my teaching comes out of doing this on my own, pretty much for many, many, many years, and seeing that the best way to, as far as I can see, is sit down, hold still, and just observe. And the the traditional teaching that falls the most in line with this is Shikantaza, Japanese. Just precisely this. More? I'm thinking of, I think it's in one of the sutras of the chants, don't set up standards. And I'm wondering if through our confusion, if we can use that as another standard. Well, if you, anytime you clamp down on anything, then you don't set up standards. You, then you start you're just using that as a credential to not not do what is you're asked to be to do or which is basically reasonable like you said you were going to do this and that and then do it you said you were going to be here tomorrow 8 30 uh, be here and then things can get in the way of that or you can't do it and so you then you would say well i can't I can't do that i i tried to do that but i couldn't because of this or that so just reasonable what am i that i get is that what you were looking at sure, well, I, um I'm curious about if we've sewn a Roxu or, or a robe, if we have agreed to something, even if we didn't say it explicitly, have, have we agreed to something with a robe or a Roxu? Sure. What have you agreed to? That's my question. What, what have we agreed to? To put others before yourself. If it's the Mahayana, if it's, the, if it's this path, as I understand it, from two different lineage of traditions, Put others before yourself. And can you do that? Pretty hard to do. As long as there's a strong belief that you're somebody, and you're always going to look to see whether you're getting the respect you deserve or all of that. You're always going to look, be looking for some kind of reassurance that something, 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 when really when you saw a robe, which you did, and you're now wearing a robe, uh, just continue to train your mind, continue to return to the wall, return to the teachings, return to the teacher, the teaching in the community. It's fairly simple standard, but it's not something to be obeyed. It's something to be observed as I was instructed. Go ahead. Other questions? Yes. Sukran. Sukran Maui, does grasping of identity have a feeling? So the first I'll try to address it this way, and you might have another question. The first thing that something happens, 
this happens over here. And then that triggers something over here, the apparent over here, this other person said this, did this, didn't do this, or did something that you're reacting to based on uh, probably thoughts that come up immediately about that. And then emotions come up uh, along with that, especially if somebody didn't live up to what they said they were going to do. And so then that comes up and then, uh, and I don't know if this, uh, if it helps you to know that there is a sequence there where, where you, there is a gap there between the time you actually feel something and then you, then you stick your identity to it. You actually get a credential that I feel that way. And that, that lessens uh, the intensity of it. If you transcend your personal self, you're in for it because life is suffering and people are suffering everywhere. You can't separate yourself from anyone anymore. This doesn't mean you're going to give all your money to everybody to the poor or something like that. So there's a, there's an area in there. This is why sitting practice is so important and why watching what moves is so important so that you can actually observe. You can, you can almost simulate an objectivity about what's, it's not actual object objectivity because there are no objects, but it's like that. You're just watching what moves, watching what moves, and then you're watching that instant or that moment or that area where there was just what arose, and then you, then you added something to it. And that could be a standard. You, you it might be something you're, you're inventing your own standards of what that person should be doing or, or what you should have done. You could be doing it the other direction with yourself. I can't live up to this. I'm a terrible person. I'm constantly doing this or this or this, trying to live up to a standard instead of realize the truth. You can use the first noble truth to help you in that a life of suffering that will not back off. I don't care what the third one says. The third one says cessation, but what ceases uh, is not the suffering. What ceases is the, the fixation on being somebody who uh, it just cuts into desire because there's no one who desires anything. There's no one who demands anything. It's, uh, the other word for it is freedom. And is it actually freedom? This is a way of talking about it. I, actually, there was never anything in prison. So it's that. It's a fundamental realization. So you're, that's why it's sometimes called a, a medicine or a, that the teacher is sometimes referred to as a doctor or a physician. Because they see, they see what your what your issue is or what your difficulty is, and they prescribe something. Train your mind. That's what I was taught by both of my teachers in completely different ways. More about that if you have it. So, Grand Bowing, when the identity is recognized, when it seems to be front and center, what do you recommend? Recommend we do? Do nothing. Just observe, and it will have its own. It'll have its own It's dependently arisen. So even though it looks like one thing, it's not separate from anything else. And it's not simple. There's a, a, there's a tabletop on a red table uh, in Barnett, Vermont, that has a small thimble on it where somebody left it behind because they were sewing something. It's sitting there. You see it? It's, it's not separate from that. I'm just using that because it's, a, because it's a, an inanimate object. But I'm saying you're not... If I go into what this is, what you're not separate from, it's it just, you could explode. If you saw what this was, you'd not hold together. Because of what? Suffering. The world is suffering. The people with big smiles in their face running around with flags or picket signs or protest signs. I'm not saying the signs aren't correct or incorrect or you can take issue with any of that. But this is a path of the Mahayana. This is a spiritual path. 
So you're going to have to go right through that cloud that can be obscured uh, by standards if you're grasping on the standard right and wrong, should and shouldn't. Don't forget that thimble. So Grim Bowing, if we're in the middle of a situation, we feel or the identity appears to be moving forward in aggression or backward in fear, what do you recommend we do in just, the situation? Just, just watch it in the situation. Watch that in the situation. Include the situation, whatever the situation may be, and just watch the, the going forward, which, which would be an aggressive form of hope and going backward, which would be a regressive form of fear. Or, mm, I will stop that thing that's causing my fear. You don't know you're afraid if you're covering it up with your opinions, your ideas, your political stance. Even if you're, what, relatively right, you should do this and not do that. One. What's it going? We're talking about, I think, a gap between a feeling and the identity of somebody feeling that. And I think you said the identity lessens that. How does the identity lessen that? The, the, the identity, because the identity it knows that they, that shouldn't be happening. And so they puff up a little bit. They're not wrong. Somebody else is wrong. And that other situation is wrong. And they're the people that need to pay or need to come up and fess up, or they need to apologize to me. We, we, everyone is, has their own form of that somewhere. No one's really free of that. Some people are more wound up in that kind of a knot than others. As, as it said, not just this old man talking, but it says all dharmas, anything that you see, there's a dharma of a table, there's a dharma of coffee, there's a dharma of a gong, there's a dharma of a smell, there's a dharma of thoughts, there's a dharma of a, there's a, there's a dharma. Dharma means truth or law and everything has its structure. It can't have that. It can't be here without some kind of a structure, even if it's a parmesium or an amoeba. There's some kind of structure happening somewhere. But when you add a person to it, then the person, the, the, the consciousness that was at first just suffering from that intensity of that, it's been softened by you. There's somebody there who doesn't agree with that, but that shouldn't have happened. And that, that, Gives, gives us a kind of a, just a temporary authority over dependent origination, which it can't have. If it has that, then it's, uh, then it's a, a dependent origination that starts to promote self-centeredness, which will kill everyone. You promote self-centeredness, you get dictators. That's why this world is such a mess. There's, to find a spiritual path in the midst of this, uh, these billions of people is rare. And when we find it, we, trample them into the dirt, as we did the indigenous people in this, in this country. Does the identity also fuel or reinforce the feeling? Identity is also dependently risen, but it's unreal. But consciousness, which, which is what we're talking about now, and, and I am endeavoring to emphasize to you just the space in which the things occur, not the things. The, the thing that makes it difficult is eventually, the more you look at that, you will see what comes and goes, and you will start to identify with the consciousness. And then, when, then as it goes along, then you will see that the consciousness is not separate from anything that arises in it, because things actually arise in the consciousness. Consciousness doesn't arise in a person. Consciousness doesn't arise here or here. Or maybe it does. 
Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm incorrect. But it's not a conclusion. It's like, you don't, if you put your hand, if I put my hand in that fire over that, it's not a conclusion that's burning my finger, is it? What is it? You would just know that. No, well said. We just know it. You wouldn't have to know the meaning of burn or the meaning of flame. You just, it's just two elemental aspects of being alive. Fire, earth, water, and air come together in a way that water boils in your skin. You can take another question or two if there are some. Kayan Bowen. Kayan. Do you hold fully ordained monks to a higher standard? I don't really hold anybody to a standard. They need to hold themselves to the standard. And then I watch and see if they can do that or not. And people do it in different ways. I've told, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but particularly other than maybe, well, maybe Juzan, but not today. Let's see, I'll pick on somebody that's not here. Gyokudo, is she listening? <laughs> I won't pick on anybody, but oh, let me say it this way that might be more closer to what you're asking is we I talked about what they're doing. I want the monks to live at the monastery if possible. I mean, I've said, and I probably have said this, at least I've said it, heard it in my own brain pan is so why be a monk if you're not going to live at the monastery? Not that you need to live here forever, but live here for train for a couple of years. And then maybe it's time to remove move to Vermont and return that thimble to its owner. I don't know what the causes and conditions are, but you cannot track them down because there's no separation. There is no event and non event. There's no existence, non existence. There's no Buddha's no sentient beings. Not two, not one. I don't know how else to say it. And I know that this way that I'm saying is doesn't prove anything. You could even say prove it. I would say I just did. Nothing else occurs. That's the illusion. Further, Kayun painted cloud. Bowing. <clears throat> I guess from the outside, we we've heard you say you're a fully ordained monk. Dot dot dot. Which or like if you become a monk, then you're giving you permission to teach that person in a particular way. Yes. So I was just thinking about how that permission shows up without being with it, without being rigid, like a standard. Very good question. And the way it, uh, I have a standard, uh, I don't know if it's standard, but I have to be here. And so I'm not obeying anything. Uh, I don't, I know I could stay home and I could just ask the Chazon, which he's actually done on situationally at times and come up here and take my place and teach. And he would do that. I don't know if he wants to do that, but he would do that because I would ask him. I would not tell him to do that. I would ask him to do that. And if he said, I can't do that, then I would probably ask, uh, probably Uno to come up and talk or, or maybe someone else. Uh, I don't know. So there's no, there's no obeying anything. So we would do it. It's a communicate, cooperate, collaborate. Uh, it's 
Uh, and as far as uh, I'm trying to think of another way to talk about it, say that when I, if I pick any of the people who are fully ordained monks, I'm going to give them a difficult time if they never show up here. And if they move away, I was going to pick on Yokodo because she just took off for her uh, rock garden in Minnesota. I've told her many times, I want you to move here. I want you to move here. But there's no consequences to it. And I talked to her and she said, well, I just can. I have my rock garden and I have and my son's up there and my He's a fully grown man who's 50 years old. And, uh, but, you know, he has some trouble. And so she feels like she needs to be around him. I'm not gonna, going to get in the way of that. So, but I think she comes here as much as she can. Um, I would like her to be here more. I think it would be good for, not only for me as her teacher, working with her, but for her and for this community, her, her energy. I'm thinking of this as much as I can, a big picture. And that big picture includes everybody here. Includes uh, Navid, who is in Iran, because I know that how powerful the community is, how powerful a Sangha is. You may not be able to be here, but we have this connection on uh, this technology. So um, everyone works with this in a different way. So uh, I don't know if I'm getting close to what you're asking about, but I don't re really, you, you know, you've known me for a long time. And I think if I was ordering anybody around, you certainly wouldn't be wearing a rock suit. <laughs> so there's no there's no obligation. Uh, I have people who wear rock suits who have, have had times when they've been very close. I talk to them just about every day. And now I haven't some people I haven't heard, heard from in months. And then I heard from a person yesterday and talked to her and I had not talked to her. She's in uh, New Zealand. I had not talked to her in six years. And so she contacted Unio, set up a time and I talked to her for a while on uh, uh, Zoom. And so I don't know what will happen with that. That's up to her. I'll, I'll, if she comes this way, I'll help her. If she goes another way, I won't pursue her or say that she did something wrong. If somebody's fully ordained as a monk and they really are, are pulled out of this, then I would say, give me your robes. I'll put them on a shelf. And then, you know, in a, in a couple of years or three months or, you know, you can come back. I've had several people leave and say, no, I want to I need to live there and move back. Not, not many, but have moved away because it's hard to live here. But then decide they they need this kind of support, and so they're they're kind of agreeing to come and um, and observe the forms uh, as closely as they can. But uh, there's always exceptions to things. And did I get close to what you're looking for there? And dying. Yes, I think maybe more specifically, uh, yesterday in the monk talks, you had a little intensity in your voice that kidding me. You were there for that? Yeah. Oh, okay, well then what did I say? Well, I actually couldn't hear you because you were, <laughs> you were, you were so loud you blew the mic out. <laughs> I know. I thought the mic was here. I was trying to blow that mic out, but, but I, <laughs> the mic was up here and it blew that mic out. And I think I was yelling something to the effect uh, of, uh, what was it I was yelling? Um, I don't really remember. But what I can tell you what it was is, is uh, don't ask me for help and then ignore what I'm saying. That's what sometimes happens with monks. Not all of them. I'm not picking on anybody, but people will ask me for help. And then I'll say, and I'm very careful about giving anybody advice, even though I'm, uh, what's my Enneagram, a two? I think it's a two, somebody. Wasn't it you that told me that? Or was it, I think it was Susan Piver. Or was it you? Or maybe it was... It was Crystal Gondrude. I think she told me I was a two. Well, she's wrong. 
I'm an 18. <laughs> a one and an eight put together. So, which is not a nine. I don't do math. So what did I say? I, I don't know what you said. And my question isn't so much about the content as in re, like in a relative school setting, a teacher might become frustrated with us if we fell below the standard of their expectation, which didn't seem what was happening. So where where does the intensity come from if it's not about this or that? Bowie? My intensity comes from from uh, uh, just it's just pure love. <laughs> and it, it, it is. It's just pure. I mean, if I if. If you hung's children got around me and they disobeyed me, then I would give them a taste of that. <laughs> and she would appreciate it. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying it's a situational thing. I don't sit back and think, well, I need to teach in this way. I need to teach in that way. I need to yell. I'll be more like a Zen master if I yell and pound the table or get my head self with a stick or something or hit other people's with. It's not like that. It's very, very situational. I'm extremely emotional. I have been since I was born, but I am not a solid being anymore. There's no solid being. If there was a solid being here, I would be too embarrassed to sit up here and run the risk of making a fool of myself. Instead, I had that very clearly pointed out to me by two uh, uh, masters, one right after another, that I am a fool. And now I don't disagree with them. The consciousness that thinks that somebody is foolish because it doesn't see what this is. It doesn't see clearly that you are at the mercy of this. As I sometimes say to Unyo, uh, I, I don't belong to, to myself. I don't, I don't have this. I belong to everybody. It doesn't make me some kind of a wonderful servant or something, but it's like that. Um, so I'm wondering if, um, like after having sat uh, Shikantaza for a few years, I'm wondering like if I should follow breath for a while um, or to deal with distractions during sitting. Um, how do I decide on that? Should, should, should I do that or not? Bowing. If you're thinking about following your breath, then, then if you're going to sit for an hour, follow your breath for 10 minutes. So give a, give a little bit to that. I have some people who follow the breath and close their eyes too. But it's very situational. I'm just saying don't don't lock down on a certain way, even shikantaza. If you practice shikantaza, the very technique of shikantaza won't allow you to lock down on anything. Because anytime you watch something, then something else comes along, and then two of those come along, and then three of them come along with no feet, and you're wondering how they're moving, and then you go into the way things move with feet, and you suddenly see that what you thought were feet were actually spokes without wheels around them. You know what those look like? Look like fingers moving like that. If that starts coming into your mind, then what are you going to do? Follow your breath? No, watch what moves. And eventually you will see that the movement is unreal. It's vividly unreal in emptiness. There is nothing actually occurs. So I just scared Jen away. She's bowing out. So Jen has left. How many people have left? Huh? We need to leave? What do we got to do? We have an interview with... with um... Who? Ani uh, and uh, Kirtan. Right. Oh, okay. Is there a final question? Yes. Say to. Um, 
Can forms become standards? Yes, and they, they are quite, quite often. Some teachers hold to that and say, you need to follow these forms, especially in ancient times or in cultural uh, contexts in uh, ancient Japan or even uh, contemporary Japan. Uh, the Soto Shu in Japan would not approve of what we do here. I don't care. Not looking for improvement or improvement or improvement. Yeah, either one. So, yes, they can be. And you could do that to yourself and not particularly be very helpful to lock down on sitting at this time every day, no matter what, that kind of thing. That being said, I would trust you. I would say maybe you do need to be a little heavy handed with yourself. So, yeah. so it needs to come out of awareness rather than out of obeying something or agreeing something. I, I endeavor to meet people where they're at. And I, some people I know that I think are extremely serious and sincere practitioners don't sit a lot, but their sincerity is powerful. And I don't know what it's like to be them or deal with their particular confusion. But uh, sometimes all I sense is their, their frustration. So, more? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Here we go. <clears throat> this morning's talk is titled, When Standards Obscure. When we run into a standard and we're, we don't really want to look and see what the situation is, so we uh, attach ourselves to a standard just to be safe, you know? At least I'm doing what I'm told. At least I'm following the rules. When standards obscure what is showing up in the consciousness. But before we do that, I'd like to thank everyone who helps us financially, spiritually, psychically, psychologically, semantically, and sympathetically. You thought I was going to immediately go into Sanskrit, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't, because I can't remember any Sanskrit, <laughs> no. And also continue to help us if you can. And this, this, will, only, this will only continue to function as a mandala for uh, training your mind to see clearly the truth for yourself, not the truth that I'm trying to get you to believe in. Don't believe in anything. Continue to come here and help us. If this makes sense to you, but there's 40 windows open there. Three of them are in the monastery, I think, or maybe two of them. And the rest of them are out in the hinterland in all over the place. So continue to come, continue to participate. That's helping us and continue to help us, as I said, financially, if you can. If you can't, uh, attend anyway. So we need standards. We need to have guidelines. We need to have precepts. We need, we need those, but they need to be observed with respect, as my teacher, Kobanjino Roshi, once said. You, you don't take precepts. You observe them. And I immediately knew that that's something I was not doing, and he was very directly pointing that out to me. He might as well have been hitting me in the head with a stick. That's how it felt.
So if you are looking at the standard, if you're observing the standard, uh, then then that you may align yourself with that standard, what, 90% of the time, because that's what is appropriate to do. But if you continue to just go to the standard, as soon as any situation comes up, well, this is the rule, or this is the law, or this is the precept, then you are operating out of your ignorance. You're actually or ignoring the open dimension of your mind and of the mind that is not available to you, which doesn't belong to anyone. It's everything. It's, it's deep, deep layers. They're not even layers. That's a relative term. It's not even a layer of consciousness. That's available to you. It's available to the consciousness you. It's not available to the self-centered personality uh, that you have that uh, demands this and doesn't want that and likes this, but doesn't want any of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to elaborate on that. Constant self-centeredness that is always picking and choosing, picking and choosing. So I would say don't obey standards, but observe, observe the standard. See what it is. If it's a red light, you probably should stop. Should stop. Simple standard. We all we need to do that. <laughs> excuse me. Very situationally. You have to excuse me. I'm not really comfortable sitting here right now. So if I seem to be un uncomfortable. You're not the cause. <clears throat> there is no cause, at least that we know of yet. So through the sitting practice of meditation, through awareness practices that have to do with facing a wall and teaching yourself, learning, reconditioning your mind, that is, grasps this, runs after this, pushes on that, ignores this, obscures this, obscures that. Training your mind to just receive, just receive whatever comes through any of the sense fields, including the mind, receive it. You'll be fine. It might feel terrible. It probably will feel terrible. If you're really feeling pretty terrible, uh, you probably are doing some receiving there. Probably the receiving is not done yet. You might have a lot more junk that needs to come into the mind stream and just be what? Observe. You observe it. Just like that dog barking. Just observe that. Just receive that dog. And notice how as soon as a dog barks, uh, immediately something comes up. Why don't they shut their dog up? Or why don't they feed that dog? Or why don't they take that dog for a, a walk? Anybody going there at all? Maybe a couple people? I go to all of those. And it's not a problem about not going to this or that or the other thing. That's awareness. It's when we attach a person to it, a personhood to it, a personality to it, a preference to it, and reinforce that with our it's happening to me. I'm the one who's offended. You can be offended by some by some situation and not attach your your identity to it. And you have to, how do you do that? You see how you keep attaching your identity to it. So that by observation, eventually that just stops finding a place to put its hook into. It can't find anything because it is dependently risen and it's not a separate thing. It has no loop sticking out, has no ring sticking out. Like back in the old days, they used to have a ring that went around on a, was it a merry-go-round and you would try to pick the ring off the merry-go-round or was it the ring was stationary and you went around in the merry-go-round does anybody remember that was just was that just a nightmare i had 
probably. So when I say, when anyone says, when the teachings say, don't pick and choose, that doesn't mean you're not going to go here rather than there, but do it out of your awareness rather than out of your preconceptions, your judgments, your opinions, your your standards that you have adopted that that you are using to protect yourself. Thank you for attending this. Good to see you here. So again, it's awareness. It's the awareness. It's not the thinking process. This doesn't mean we do away with the thinking. We stop thinking. Don't think and just be aware. Don't don't give yourself any kind of mini lectures on anything. Train yourself by facing a wall, facing the carpeting, facing your computer screen. Just turn it off. Just observe, observe, observe. So that by that attitude, the intention to just observe what arises, you eventually see not only what comes from the so-called outer dimension, other people, what's happening down the hallway or in the in the next room, but also what your mind spontaneously or impulsively adds to it, your idea, your opinion, it shouldn't be, it should be. You can hear a dog bark without doing anything about it. it just takes a lot of time. And that doesn't mean that hearing the dog bark and hearing your addition to it of what you think about it, why Brad next door shouldn't do something with his dog. I'm not saying those won't come up. It's the personhood. So that's why you don't need to stop doing it. You don't need to be somebody else. You actually need to be genuine, which is what I yelled about yesterday at the, which is not on YouTube. So you guys don't have to be, uh, have to be uh, offended by that or entertained by it, either or. Don't do it. Don't go anywhere. And how do you do that? You watch how you keep going everywhere so that the, the awareness of what you're doing, the awareness of your craziness, let's label it. Your insanity can be observed because if you observe it and you come back with, well, I'm just going to observe it. I'm just going to observe it. If you're really observing it, you will not get a credential for observing it. If you're getting a credential for observing it, you just close the door and you're looking at, I'm just observing. You're looking at a standard. Don't do it. How do you do that? Again, you, you see that you're doing it. You're aware that you're doing that. And one of the reasons we don't want to do that is that seems to ramp up the suffering even more. Suddenly, I'm the person that cannot observe a damn thing. I can't observe. I can't see this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm lost. I could not talk about this situation if I had not been there many times. I tried to make a home there. It's called disappointment awaits pretty good cup not bad coffee so again as I've said hundreds of times maybe more it's about the awareness not what arises in it that's a difficult area because we continue to grasp our thoughts reject our thoughts believe our emotions our feelings and it's not that those aren't relatively relatively real of course they are so you don't have to get rid of it. This is why the whole idea of being being celibate or being um, not eating anything past noon or all the old fashioned ancient traditions that show up as monastic. I'm not against those. We would not even be here if it weren't for those really, really strong forms because the society 
was set up quite a bit different in those days than it is now. So it is about observing our response. Something happens, a dog barks, you know, why doesn't, hey, somebody just yelled at that dog. There's a response. <laughs> she shouldn't have yelled at that poor dog. And then other people say, about time somebody quieted that dog down. If we went, took a survey in here, we could, everyone wanted to have a little bit different response to that. I'm not going to ask you. Might be interesting if we had more time. So when standards, whatever that standard is, when standards obscure, that's when you're opting out of fear with fear that you might not even realize you have, but you're just going to, you're going to go to a standard and you can do that as a uh, obvious thing that everybody knows about that standard. Like if you make an agreement to be someplace, you need to be there. You understand me? Good. Anyone else I need to look at? You need to be there. It's a simple thing. Keep your agreements. Keep your agreements. So important to do that. And when we try to do that and can't, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't keep that agreement. Ego, 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 ego. Keep your agreements. It's not, it's important for the person you made the agreement with or the situation, but it's also important for you. Don't live the rest of your life in some kind of a, uh, a shitstorm of your own ego chatter uh, that you're, where you're talking to yourself and justifying and don't defend anything. Don't defend. Just receive, just receive. Receive the standard. And if you really receive everything, then when the standard does show up, because of your innate intelligence, you will see. You will see, it might, there might not be a word come up in your mind that says, well, this, this probably doesn't apply in this situation. I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. But in this situation, the standard would get in the way of what you needed to really do something about because it's so situational and is dependently arisen. And here you are, and this is one time when you're not going to, to follow that standard. And, and you don't, if you're doing it, and if you're doing it in this uh, community here, you are not going to have to justify yourself. If you have to justify yourself, then something's off here with this community, basically with the first C. CCC, communicate, that means listen. Cooperate, that means work with others. And collaborate, that means if big projects come up, you can actually, you can actually communicate, cooperate, so that you can actually bring the most intelligence to that particular project. Some people are very good at one thing, some people are good at other things, and to actually have a community where this is happening is very unusual. Usually there's so much politics in it that it just gets sickening, and then the people that really have the intelligence, have the insight, they just back off and they go somewhere else and just, you know, read uh, Stephen King novels. Because it's just better. It's just too many crazy people in the world. Communicate. That means listen. You don't have to obey anything. You could you could use your own intelligence and look at the standard. And if you've agreed to do something, then do your best. Get some help. If you find out you can't because of this or that, then in this community you can actually ha ask someone for some help on that. 
Go ahead. Sort of going is not justifying what we're doing different than just not communicating about what we're doing. Going. Say more. What's the intention of communicating what we're doing within the Sangha, like as a resident knowing? Communication, CCC. You can't have the other two without the first one. You have to communicate. You have to communicate. If you don't, if you just opt for your own dynamic first, then that's fine. But don't do it in this community. If you do, if, if, you, if you can't communicate, in other words, listen to others, then you're not going to be able to do the other two at all. So my idea here is spend a lot of time facing the wall, much more than is recommended in other areas, I presume. I checked everything out. And then endeavor. And it, maybe you can't live in the monastery. Maybe you need to live 50 feet away or three miles away or in Virginia. Maybe this isn't for you. It's, it's very situational. There's no standard. Uh, you will never hear me that I know of, and things could change, but try to convince you to receive Jukai or become a monk or to even move here. I think there's a few people I've kind of told to move here because I, I could see that uh, that's the only way they would come here. Is that justification on? Didn't I tell sent you to move here? Yeah. But I didn't demand it. I just said, you better get it. <laughs> it, it you know, and a year later, Without any badgering. <laughs> Is my face turning red? No. I like, it's interesting to see who's laughing the most. I did not badger her at all. I didn't even badger. Where is Jesse Badgero? She's watching IS. Huh? She's watching IS. Good. I'm glad somebody's watching IS. I mean, that would be if somebody said, well, nobody's watching IS. They didn't keep their commitments. She had something else to do. Go ahead. She's unbowing. The title of the talk is When, of, when Standards Obscure. So there's that aspect where we grasp on the standards. Yeah. But the other side seems just as seductive to place our own preference over the standard. So what is it to see clearly bowing? I have no, I have no preferences and have no standards. And the situation itself will show you what to do. It's just like, uh, I feel very, I can say the same thing. Uh, not that I, he, I mean the same thing that he means, excuse me. But Trunk Burner Pajay said, when someone asked him, so, oh, something in the, I can't remember the context, but so who, who, who is your uh, teacher? And he said, situations are my guru. And you could say the same thing. If you, if you're completely present all the time, it's not a state you maintain. You just stop checking out. You're, if someone watching you, if they're full of themselves and full of their own presumptions and ideas and beliefs about who they are and who everybody else is, they won't even know you're in the present moment. They won't know that you're here all the time. And, and from the point of view of being here, there is no time. There's no past and future. That's all made up. You can't really go there. And when you do go there, it's it's your memory of that, which is not the past. 
you might as well be remembering the future, which has sometimes been brought up. Was it Kurt Vonnegut that talked about that, or was it Winnie the Pooh? One of those guys. The Red Queen. The Red Queen. Yeah. Was, was that Alice in Sudetenland? Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. <laughs> I remember her. What a beautiful woman she was. You don't agree? You don't like to have this kind of conversation? Okay. Where was I? You know where I was? What's your question? Cheese on bowing. When our mind isn't clear and we're not able to see situations clearly enough to have them direct or guide or invite us, is there anything, any reference point we can do to, to be more direct about so this would be addressed to someone who meditates a lot, not to a random person who would ask that question, but someone who has a strong sitting practice. You don't have to have the Heart Sutra memorized or something like that, but you have some understanding of the teachings and you are training your mind. Then, then the situation will come up in such a way that you'll understand that you need to just observe that. It's called patience. The other way I talk about this is don't do anything unless you have to. And that may be very... Uh, um, may provoke some peer, fear, excuse me, on the part of uh, the self-centeredness, the ego. But there's nothing is really threatened. So you can handle that fear. The fear just comes up of being exposed or fear of being wrong or fear of not, well, if I don't do something in time, don't lecture yourself, lecture yourself about anything. Did I get close to it? Or do you want more? She's on bowing. Um. Wondering how we can take our seat in that in that patience when the pull to activity or inactivity can be quite strong. I, I, let's just do it, just as much as you can. Just return in in your situation. Return to the vow. Return to the vow. There's no no personhood. You can't return to a really uh, person with a lot of self esteem and, and with a really healthy ego. That's not going to work. That just adds to the warfare. You might be on, one of the people on the. Uh, you know, let there be peace holding sign rather than, you know, kill all the intruders or something. It has to be done with awareness. So when that comes up, when you're confused, just be aware of being confused. The awareness of the confusion, eventually, there's no promise. I can't promise anything. That would be a cheap shot and not respectful to anyone. There's no promise, but eventually, I can still use that word, that which is seeing and that which is seen collapse into each other. No promise, no promise. But that which is seen, everything, and that which is doing the seeing are not separate. So therefore, everywhere you look, you don't see anything else but this. And if you look backwards, uh, or if you look forward, you're seeing the same thing. They are not identical, but they're not separate. Sandokai, the equality of sameness and difference. Long poem, short poem. More about that if you have it. Shazam Bowie. Um, I'm wondering about working with this and, and recognizing how we, you can't, how do we not apply the standard we're practicing with to others? How do we recognize the subjectivity of, 
of what we're looking at. Very good. So the 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 direction that I give is be as you're endeavoring to respect your own confusion. You have to see that you're confused. You can't respect your confusion. If you think you just know more than everybody else and are more on top of things and have a better insight into all these crazy people that are flocking around you, driving you cuckoos. If you don't see your own confusion, if you're not responsible for your confusion, then you will continue to inflict your self-centeredness on others through projection, through projecting, projecting. You have some familiar with that, don't you? Familiarity. How many, how many, uh, what are those called, syllables? You have your drums here, you have your syllables over here. <laughs> Not really that funny. Rumi would like that, though. You could tell him that joke. Yes. Chief, I'm buying. This stuff subjectivity function differently in the context of forms, like the form of how one would relate to book study or even relating to you in a Dharma talk, there's a form. So is the subjectivity there different than our just day-to-day -day subjectivity? Bowing. Uh, the only word that's coming up with the, in response, it's just situational, the subjectivity, objectivity, the grasping, the rejecting. If there's, it's, it's not that you wouldn't grasp at a self. You just see that it's unreal. It's not that you might not, would not grasp at another, like the dog barking or the person yelling at the dog. It's not that you wouldn't go there as a, a kind of a knee-jerk go, go there, but nothing is maintained. So therefore, the ego gets no, pardon me, yeah, I'm not just itching. This has got to be disturbing to watch me do this, but I don't know how to do it. So, apologies. Go ahead. Nothing yet. Thank you. Further? Anyone on Zoom? Go ahead, Chisho. Chisho Wang. Uh, sometimes you say it's like a mirror, and sometimes you say that it is like you're seeing yourself everywhere. No, no. Is that situational? That seems like two different views, if I may say so. Is that situational, Bob? Well, I would say mirror or yourself. It's I'm, I'm basically using those images, and they're traditional, as you know, if you read back, they're the, the mirror-like wisdom and uh, uh, seeing yourself and, and everywhere. It's, it's non-dual or subject-object are gone. And if there is any kind of subjectivity arising, it's you see yourself. If there's any kind of objectivity arising, then it's more mirror-like. The, the object you're looking at that's across the room uh, is actually the, 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 the identity used to, you used to impute or think was over here as a person is now in that chair over there or now in that wall. And uh, this, uh, sometimes this is uh, very interesting to people who uh, want to uh, uh, take psychedelics because the illusion of that showing up in, in that uh, uh, psychoactive material creates that, just temporarily creates that illusion of you're not really separate from anything. But then, of course, since it's situational in terms of the drug, I mean, that's going to come apart. That will collapse. But if you see this, uh, you, you see this all the time. It doesn't go away. It doesn't it, because it, why? it has not appeared. It, it has not appeared. A wall doesn't turn into a mirror. Uh, someone else 
uh, sitting here looking at Seto, I don't think oh, Seto and I are not separate, and I'm, I look just like Seto, and all I have to do is grow longer hair, I will be Seto. And then if I look at Sanho, then I can't even get Sanho to look back at me, can I, Sanho? Sweet. <laughs> Very good one. Further questions? Yu Hong bowing. How can we communicate without adding too much projection, especially it's already a hard situation? Just bowing. as you've heard me say many times, just look at the look at the way you project. So seeing the projection, just see the projection. You don't have to stop it. You don't have to confirm it. You don't have to die, don't do anything with it. Just see that your projection you are projecting this way the awareness itself uh is is less it, it is less stuck to outcomes or to being right or wrong or it's less stuck to hope and fear and is just consciousness and it's getting closer and closer uh to consciousness only the, it isn't even a final thing but it's sometimes talked about as being the final the, the final thing that you see is isn't anything has to be seen. And when I say seen, of course, I'm not talking about just eyes. I'm talking about with your fingertips, with your mind, with your taste buds. Everything is unreceived. Everything is unreceived. And some people see better with their ears than they do with their eyes. Mark, go ahead. With the title, when standards obscure, are there times when standards don't obscure? Bowing. Well, they're always always going to do that a little bit because you're you're relying on something that is uh, relatively out there, like a stoplight or like a stop sign. Um, so you're, but 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 it's actually um, it's taking over because of this it's the situational uh, nature of it. Is you just can't come to a um, across a, a, a cross street like. A good example might be when you come to a place where the signal light has gone out and then everybody's looking at each other about who's going to go first. And I think there's a there's some kind of a code there or some kind of a standard that says the person on your right gets to go first. Is that does anyone else remember that? So from from uh, uh, driver's training class in 1959. Yes, I am that old. So um that would be a good example if you would come up and the light has gone out the standard that, that controlled all that that would it worked very well people are driving this way but then what changes that is if you come in there's a an ambulance goes through suddenly that light doesn't mean anything it's the ambulance that means something so we change over to this other standard there are lots of ways that is set up but sometimes it is set up so much uh, like the uniform code of military justice in the military there, there's no, it's a standard, you, you obey it or they will lock you up. And why? Because they need to have people they can control so they can continue to go to war with other countries that continue to go to war. You, you see it everywhere, it's just war. And you might say, I might say, anybody might say, well, aren't there some good wars? Like, what if nobody, what if my dad didn't go to Germany and back in 1945 and donate his uh, life to defending what, defending freedom is that what he was doing if, if you were if we were to get into a political discussion 
I would say, why didn't they read uh, uh, Timothy Snyder's book about what happened in 1930? I don't think he had even written it yet, but people are already being massacred everywhere in Russia. I mean, you could go on, you could, you could make that into a, you know, historians probably are going this way and that way about everything. You spend your whole life doing that and never look at the fundamental issue, which is what? Mistaken identity. You think you're a special someone here and everybody else is a not so special someone out there. And if you think you're right about anything, the very nature of ego is to think you're right and someone else is wrong. Wouldn't you agree? Why would you agree with that? Why would you agree? I trust you. Do you? So the next time I tell you to do something, you're going to do it? Situational. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'm the teacher, not you. Uh, strike that word. <laughs> strike, strike that word. Strike that word. I, didn't, I, I, I think I said some other word, but it sounded like that. Something about ducks or something. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's fine. There's, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to agree to. There's nothing to obey. I really mean that. There's no, don't, I say, don't, don't believe me. Don't obey me. I'm not going to order anybody around. And if, if you don't do what I say, I've already said to you specifically, there will be no retribution. If, if I'd say, do this, this, and this, and you don't do it, there will be nothing. There will be no consequences. There's enough consequences in the world. I don't need to add to them. I don't need to have followers. This is not a cult. If it is, do you think this is a cult? A cult? Well, go somewhere else. See if I try to stop you. That includes you. On second thought, no, you can't go anywhere else. Go ahead. Bye. Go ahead. You hold on. When you say setting setting up standards, uh, I have uh, two questions. Uh, first, one of the phrases I hear so often in this country from the students is they always always say it's not fair. And when I hear that, I have a tendency to to do something for their for their own sake and also for my work sake too. Yes, yes. So my question part one, as a practitioner, how can I look at this so conditioned being fair, not setting up standards? For myself, Bowie. Okay, so in that situation, you have to relate to the society that we're all in. We can't just be these these uh, um, meditators who don't obey anybody. You no, know, you have to relate to your children where they're at and the culture that they're in. And I would say they, that comes first. That standard uh, needs to be uh, respected and looked at. And there may be an opening if you continue to see that you're actually following a standard. It's not what you would uh, uh, prefer to do. But it's something that the standard is more important there because of of uh, I'm going back to your children's names, Ellie and Abe. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. But this is more about my work, and my second part question is about them. Okay, go ahead. So my first part question is for me. So as a practitioner, how can I look at my own like being so conditioned, being fair, relating? to setting up standards, bowing. I would just say it's a matter of just continue, continue, continue to return to the wall. It takes, it seems to take a long time. Uh, you can understand this intellectually way ahead of the time when you actually, uh, when you realize this way beyond the person, way beyond the intellect, down deep in your heart. 
And it's not even in your, I'm not talking about an, an emotional thing here. I'm talking about deeper than that. It goes past the emotions. It gives a quick wave as it goes by, but it goes further than just in, intellect and then emotions. And it goes deeper than that. Your knowing comes out of just, there's no, there's no sort for it. You just know it. And you, you know it so completely and so thoroughly that you're not on a pedestal someone can knock you off from. Although if they project that you're on a pedestal, they might come along and take swipes at you, but they might find that all they're doing is swinging at air because there's no one there. There's no standard anywhere for anything. And if there is, then it's a situational thing that needs to be done or doesn't need to be done. And that's why we have down through the centuries, monasteries and people who dedicate their life to this because it's so easy to just live 70, 80 years and forget about it and just uh, uh, try to enter the so-called rat race and get ahead of everybody or be more intelligent or more beautiful or more powerful. So I think you're, uh, let me say it this way, uh, you are doing it. It's just that we get impatient. We, we feel frustrated because we're not getting anywhere. I, mean, I know what you're talking about. Uh, this my my understanding at functioning to show up here as a teaching person didn't start for over 30 years of practice and i practiced a lot so 30 years i think that that's one of the reasons i try to make myself as available as i can to everybody thanks to this technology um it's helpful so we can uh i i think i could have been helped by that but then again it was the situation uh, availability uh, was not there for me to be uh, sit right in front and have the, have the possibility of, of asking my teacher a question every single day, and I'm available every day. Thank you, Bowing. And the second part is how to work with my own children, just my own children, Bowing. So I, I would just take your time with them, get to know them really well by listening to them. I know, I know children, they jabber a lot and they talk a lot. Ask them questions about things. Uh, draw, when they start to tell you a lot of things, have some curiosity about what they're saying and engage them where they're at rather than try to get them to do this or that or stop doing this. Just engage them where they're, where they're at. And I, I probably could give you some examples if I was sitting around with your children. But uh, we have, we have uh, our own uh, uh, training devices in here that we call children also. And uh, one of them is named Rumi. Then we have, uh, I think, Aya is here, but he, he's kept out of the Zendo because he doesn't know how to handle himself here yet. And then we have Maya, who sends, uh, sends her dad over, and he's here, thankfully. And uh, maybe eventually we'll even see uh, her mom, possibly. Maybe. But we will certainly see her. And what, what am I saying here by being a little silly? I'm saying just be respectful. Those are little tiny, uh, they're adults. They're already very adult-like. And they need our help. They need, they, they need to know there's a good communication with them. That you, you hear them. You hear what they're saying, even though what they're complaining about might be that they don't get an, enough cookies or they, they have to go to bed too early. Or, but, but engage and talk to them about going to bed too early. I'm not saying I did this when I was younger and had children. I didn't. But looking back, I think that would have been very helpful for me back then to engage them more. I did, I did give them a lot of rope, and none of them managed to hang themselves. So I had a lot of slack. I was reading uh, Maria Montessori's uh, work then and also the, the, the school over in Europe. What was the name of that? 
of Summerhill is another where your kids are given complete freedom to do whatever they want. They don't have to go to school or anything. So they wait until the child actually decides they're interested in something. I think the example that I remember is somebody did nothing but play cowboys and Indians until they were 14 or 15 and then decided they wanted to be a, a uh, instrument repair person. Who, I don't know whether it was what they were repairing, probably kaleidoscopes or something like that. But then they found out, say, yeah, you can do that. But you have to go to school. Well, they were able to go to school and learn English and learn uh, the, all the requirements to actually go into this school and did quite well, even though they had no, all they did was fool around their first 14 years. Now, is that always going to happen? Probably not. That's an unusual example. So I wouldn't say I'm not promoting that. I'm just saying it's interesting. What it was A.S. Neal that wrote that book, Summerhill. But uh, some kind of a, a giving responsibility. Ask them for help. That's a good way to relate to children. They really want to grow up. And of course, they don't, once they're grown up, then they don't want that so much. But, um, you know, ask, ask for help in things that are not condescending, but uh, help me do this. Help. Maybe you already do that, Young. I would think you, you bring your children into your life all the time. So it's challenging. They're, 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 they're human beings just like we are, of course. Yes, sir. Do we need to use standards for mind training? Yes, just like the standard that I set up in the 108 meditations is come in, sit down, hold still, have all the senses open and just watch what moves. And that that could be that's a standard, but there's a lot of room in that standard. You could actually sit there for two or three hours and just follow your breath. It's moving. But what I would say in that, if questions came up around that, is don't fixate on anything or trying to maintain it, because then you're creating, you're doing something in consciousness uh, that may look like training. But my teaching comes out of doing this on my own, pretty much for many, many, many years, and seeing that the best way to, as far as I can see, is sit down, hold still, and just observe. And the the traditional teaching that falls the most in line with this is Shikantaza, Japanese. Just precisely this. More? I'm thinking of, I think it's in one of the sutras of the chants, don't set up standards. And I'm wondering if, through our confusion, if we can use that as another standard. Well, if you, anytime you clamp down on anything, then you don't set up standards. You, then you start you're just using that as a credential to not not do what is you're asked to be to do or which is basically reasonable like you said you were going to do this and that and then do it you said you were going to be here tomorrow 8 30 uh, be here and then things can get in the way of that or you can't do it and so you, then you would say well i can't I can't do that I, I tried to do that but i couldn't because of this or that so just reasonable what am i did i get is that what you were looking at sure, well, i'm I'm curious about if we've sewn a Roxu or, or a robe, if we have agreed to something, even if we didn't say it explicitly, have, have we agreed to something with a robe or a Roxu? Sure. What have you agreed to? That's my question. What, what have we agreed to? To put others before yourself. If it's the Mahayana, if it's, the, if it's this path, as I understand it, from two different lineage of traditions, Put others before yourself. And can you do that? Pretty hard to do. As long as there's a strong belief that you're somebody, you're always going to look to see whether you're getting the respect you deserve or all that. 
you're always going to look, be looking for some kind of reassurance that something, 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 when really when you saw a robe, which you did, and you're now wearing a robe, uh, just continue to train your mind, continue to return to the wall, return to the teachings, return to the teacher, the teaching in the community. It's fairly simple standard, but it's not something to be obeyed. It's something to be observed as I was instructed. Go ahead. question yes so grand Maui, does grasping of identity have a feeling so the first I'll try to adjust it this way and you might have another question the first thing that something happens this happens over here and then that triggers something over here, the apparent over here, this other person said this, did this, didn't do this, or did something that you're reacting to based on uh, probably thoughts that come up immediately about that. And then emotions come up uh, along with that, especially if somebody didn't live up to what they said they were going to do. And so then that comes up and then, uh, and I don't know if this, uh, if it helps you to know that there is a sequence there where or you, there is a gap there between the time you actually feel something and then you then you stick your identity to it. You actually get a credential that I feel that way. And that, that lessens uh, the intensity of it. If you transcend your personal self, you're in for it. Because life is suffering and people are suffering everywhere. You can't separate yourself from anyone anymore. This doesn't mean you're going to give all your money to everybody, to the poor or something like that. So there's a there's an area in there. This is why sitting practice is so important, and why watching what moves is so important, so that you can actually observe. You can you can almost simulate an objectivity about what's it's not actual object, objectivity because there are no objects, but it's like that. You're just watching what moves, watching what moves, and then you're watching that instant or that moment or that area where there was just what arose, and then you then you added something to it. And that could be a standard. You, it might be something you're, you're inventing your own standards of what that person should be doing or, or what you should have done. You could be doing it the other direction with yourself. I can't live up to this. I'm a terrible person. I'm constantly doing this or this or this. Trying to live up to a standard instead of realize the truth. You can use the first noble truth to help you in that. A life of suffering. That will not back off. I don't care what the third one says. The third one says cessation. But what ceases uh, is not the suffering. What ceases is the, the fixation on being somebody who uh, it just cuts into desire because there's no one who desires anything. There's no one who demands anything. It's, uh, the other word for it is freedom. And is it actually freedom? This is a way of talking about it. I, actually, there was never anything in prison. So it's that. It's a fundamental realization. So you're, that's why it's sometimes called a, a medicine or a, that the teachers sometimes referred to as a doctor or a physician because they see they see what your what your issue is or what your difficulty is and they prescribe something train your mind that's what i was taught by both of my teachers in completely different ways more about that if you have it so going about when the identity is recognized when it seems to be front and center what do you recommend recommend we do do nothing just observe and it will have its own It'll have its own dynamic. It's dependently arisen. 
So even though it looks like one thing, it's not separate from anything else. And it's not simple. There's a, there's a tabletop on a red table uh, in Barnett, Vermont, that has a small thimble on it where somebody left it behind because they were sewing something. It's sitting there. You see it? It's, it's not separate from that. I'm just using that because it's a because it's a an inanimate object. But I'm saying you're not. If I go into what this is, what you're not separate from, it, it's just you could explode. If you saw what this was, you'd not hold together. Because of what? Suffering. The world is suffering. The people with big smiles in their face running around with flags or picket signs or protest signs. I'm not saying the signs aren't correct or incorrect or you can take issue with any of that. But this is a path of the Mahayana. This is a spiritual path. So you're going to have to go right through that cloud that can be obscured uh, by standards if you're grasping on the standard right and wrong, should and shouldn't. Don't forget that thimble. So Grim Bowing, if we're in the middle of a situation, we feel or the identity appears to be moving forward in aggression or backward in fear, what do you recommend we do in just, a situation? Just, just watch it in the situation. Watch that in the situation. Include the situation, whatever the situation may be, and just watch the, the going forward, which, which would be an aggressive form of hope and going backward, which would be a regressive form of fear. Or, mm, I will stop that thing that's causing my fear. You don't know you're afraid if you're covering it up with your opinions, your ideas, your political stance. Even if you're, what, relatively right, you should do this and not do that. One. What's it going? We're talking about, I think, a gap between a feeling and the identity of somebody feeling that. And I think you said the identity lessens that. How does the identity lessen that? The, the, the identity, because the identity it knows that they, that shouldn't be happening. And so they puff up a little bit. They're not wrong. Somebody else is wrong. And that other situation is wrong. And they're the people that need to pay or need to come up and fess up, or they need to apologize to me. We, we, everyone is, has their own form of that somewhere. No one's really free of that. Some people are more wound up in that kind of a knot than others. As, as it said, not just this old man talking, but it says all dharmas, anything that you see, there's a dharma of a table, there's a dharma of coffee, there's a dharma of a gong, there's a dharma of a smell, there's a dharma of thoughts, there's a dharma of a, there's a, there's a dharma. Dharma means truth or law and everything has its structure. It can't have that. It can't be here without some kind of a structure, even if it's a parmesium or an amoeba. There's some kind of structure happening somewhere. When you add a person to it, then the person the, the the consciousness that was at first just suffering from that intensity of that it's been softened by you there's somebody there who doesn't agree with that that shouldn't have happened and that that gives gives us a kind of a just a temporary authority over dependent origination which you can't have if it has that then it's uh then it's a, a dependent origination that starts to promote self-centeredness which will kill everyone you promote self-centeredness you get dictators 
That's why this world is such a mess. There's to find a spiritual path in the midst of this, uh, these billions of people is rare. And when we find it, we trample them into the dirt as we did the indigenous people in this, in this country. Does the identity also fuel or reinforce the feeling? Identity is also dependently risen, but it's unreal. But consciousness, which, which is what we're talking about now, and, and I am endeavoring to emphasize to you just the space in which the things occur, not the things. The, the thing that makes it difficult is eventually the more you look at that, you will see what comes and goes and you will start to identify with the consciousness. And then when, then as it goes along, then you will see that the consciousness is not separate from anything that arises in it because things actually arise in the consciousness. Consciousness doesn't arise in a person. Consciousness doesn't arise here or here. Or maybe it does. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm incorrect. But it's not a conclusion. It's like, you know, if you put your hand, if I put my hand in that fire over that, it's not a conclusion that's burning my finger, is it? What is it? You just know that. No, well said. We just know it. You wouldn't have to know the meaning of burn or the meaning of flame. You just, it's just two elemental aspects of being alive. Fire, earth, water, and air come together in a way that water boils in your skin. You can take another question or two if there are some. Kayun Valen. Kayun. Do you hold fully ordained monks to a higher standard? I don't really hold anybody to a standard. They need to hold themselves to the standard. And then I watch and see if they can do that or not. And People do it in different ways. I've told, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but particularly other than maybe, well, maybe Juzan, but not today. Let's see, I'll pick on somebody that's not here. Gyokudo, is she listening? <laughs> no, I won't pick on anybody. But, oh, let me say it this way that might be more closer to what you're asking. Is we, I talked about what they're doing. I want the monks to live at the monastery if possible. I mean, I've said, and I probably have said this, at least I've said it, heard it in my own brain pan, is so why be a monk if you're not going to live at the monastery? Not that you need to live here forever, but live here for, train for a couple of years, and then maybe it's time to remove, move to Vermont and return that thimble to its owner. I don't know what the causes and conditions are, but you cannot track them down because there's no separation. There is no event and non-event. There's no existence, non-existence. There's no Buddhas, no sentient beings. Not two, not one. I don't know how else to say it. And I know that this way that I'm saying it is, doesn't prove anything. Uh, you could even say, prove it. I would say, I just did. Nothing else occurs. That's the illusion. Further, Kayun painted cloud. Bowing. <clears throat> I guess from the outside, we've, we've heard you say you're a fully ordained monk, dot, 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 which, or like, if you become a monk, then you're giving you permission to 
teach that person in a particular way. Yes. So I was just thinking about how that permission shows up without being with it, without being rigid like a standard bowing. Very good question. And the way it, uh, I have a standard, uh, I don't know if it's standard, but I have to be here. And so I'm not obeying anything. Uh, I don't, I know I could stay home and I could just ask the Chazon, which he's actually done on situationally at times and come up here and take my place and teach. And he would do that. I don't know if he wants to do that, but he would do that because I would ask him. I would not tell him to do that. I would ask him to do that. And if he said, I can't do that, then I would probably ask, uh, probably Uno to come up and talk or, or maybe someone else. Uh, I don't know. So there's no, there's no obeying anything. So we would do it. It's a communicate, cooperate, collaborate. Uh, it's, uh, and as far as uh, I'm trying to think of another way to talk about it, say that when I, if I pick any of the people who are fully ordained monks, I'm going to give them a difficult time if they never show up here. And if they move away, I was going to pick on Yokodo because she just took off for her uh, rock garden in Minnesota. I've told her many times, I want you to move here. I want you to move here. But there's no consequences to it. And I talked to her and she said, well, I just can't. I have my rock garden and I have and my son's up there. And my he's a fully grown man who's 50 years old. And uh, but, you know, he has some trouble. And so she feels like she needs to be around him. I'm not gonna, going to get in the way of that. So but I think she comes here as much as she can. Um, I would like her to be here more. I think it would be good for not only for me as her teacher working with her, but for her and for this community, her, her energy. I'm thinking of this as much as I can, a big picture. And that big picture includes everybody here, it includes uh, Navid, who is in Iran. Because I know that how powerful the community is, how powerful a Sangha is. You may not be able to be here, but we have this connection on uh, this technology. So um, everyone works with this in a different way. So uh, I don't know if I'm getting close to what you're asking about, but I don't re really, you, you know, you've known me for a long time. And I think if I was ordering anybody around, you certainly wouldn't be wearing a rock suit. <laughs> So there's no there's no obligation. Uh, I have people who wear rock suits who have, have had times when they've been very close. I talk to them just about every day. And now I haven't some people I haven't heard heard from in months. And then I heard from a person yesterday and talked to her and I had not talked to her. She's in uh, New Zealand. I had not talked to her in six years. And so she contacted Unio, set up a time and I talked to her for a while on uh, uh, Zoom. And so I don't know what will happen with that. That's up to her. I'll, I'll, if she comes this way, I'll help her. If she goes another way, I won't pursue her or say that she did something wrong. If somebody's fully ordained as a monk and they really are, are pulled out of this, then I would say, give me your robes. I'll put them on a shelf. And then, you know, in a, in a couple of years or three months or, you know, you can come back. I've had several people leave and say, no, I want to I need to live there and move back. Not not many, but have moved away because it's hard to live here. But then decide they they need this kind of support, and so they're they're kind of agreeing to come and um, and observe the forms uh, as closely as they can. But uh, there's always exceptions to things. And did I get close to what you're looking for there? And uh, yes, I think maybe more specifically, uh, yesterday in the monk talks, 
you had a little intensity in your voice that You're kidding me. You were there for that? Yeah. Oh, okay, well then what did I say? Well, I actually couldn't hear you because <laughs> you, were, you were so loud you blew the mic out. <laughs> I know. I thought the mic was here. I was trying to blow that mic out, but then I <laughs> the mic was up here and it blew that mic out. And I think I was yelling something to the effect uh, of uh what was it I was yelling? Um I don't really remember. But what I can tell you what it was is is uh, don't ask me for help and then ignore what I'm saying. That's what sometimes happens with monks. Not all of them. I'm not picking on anybody, but people will ask me for help. And then I'll say, and I'm very careful about giving anybody advice, even though I'm, uh, what's my Enneagram, a two? I think it's a two, somebody. Wasn't it you that told me that? Or was it, I think it was Susan Piver. Or was it you? Or maybe it was, it was Crystal Gondrude. I think she told me I was a two. Well, she's wrong. I'm an 18. <laughs> A one and an eight put together. So, which is not a nine. I don't do math. So what did I say? Cayenne Valley, I, I don't know what you said. And my question isn't so much about the content as in re, like in a relative school setting, a teacher might become frustrated with us if we fell below the standard of their expectation, which didn't seen what was happening so where where does the intensity come from if it's not about this or that Bowie? my intensity comes from from uh uh just it's just pure love <laughs> and it, it, it is it's just pure i mean if i if if you hung's children got around me and they disobeyed me then i would give them a taste of that <laughs> that she would appreciate it. <laughs> so what am I saying? I'm saying it's a situational thing. I don't sit back and think, well, I need to teach in this way. I need to teach in that way. I need to yell. I'll be more like a Zen master if I yell and pound the table or get my head self with a stick or something or hit other people's with. It's not like that. It's very, very situational. I'm extremely emotional. I have been since I was born, but I am not a solid being anymore. There's no solid being. If there was a solid being here, I would be too embarrassed to sit up here and run the risk of making a fool of myself. Instead, I had that very clearly pointed out to me by two uh, uh, masters, one right after another, that I am a fool. And now I don't disagree with them. The consciousness that thinks that somebody is foolish because it doesn't see what this is. It doesn't see clearly that you are at the mercy of this. As I sometimes say to uh, you know, I don't I don't belong to to myself. I don't I don't have this. I belong to everybody. It doesn't make me some kind of a wonderful servant or something, but it's like that. Mahesh. Mahesh going. Um, so I'm wondering if um, like after having sat uh, Shikantaza for a few years, I'm wondering like if I should follow breath for a while um, or to deal with distractions during sitting, um, how do I decide on that? Should, should I should do that or not, bowing? If you're thinking about following your breath, then, then if you're going to sit for an hour, follow your breath for 10 minutes. So give a, give a little bit to that. I have some people who follow the breath and close their eyes too. But it's very situational. I'm just saying don't, 
don't lock down on a certain way. Even shikantaza. If you practice shikantaza, the very technique of shikantaza won't allow you to lock down on anything. Because anytime you watch something, then something else comes along, and then two of those come along, and then three of them come along with no feet, and you're wondering how they're moving, and then you go into the way things move with feet, and you suddenly see that what you thought were feet were actually spokes without wheels around them. You know what those look like? Look like fingers moving like that. If that starts coming into your mind, then what are you going to do? Follow your breath? No, watch what moves. And eventually you will see that the movement is unreal. It's vividly unreal in emptiness. There is nothing actually occurs. So I just scared Jen away. She's bowing out. So Jen has left. How many people have left? Huh? We need to leave? What do we got to do? We have an interview with, with um, Who? Our, uh, Ani and uh, Kirtan. Right. Oh, okay. Is there a final question? Yes. Um, can forms become standards? Yes, and they, they are quite quite often. Some teachers hold to that and say you need to follow these forms, especially in ancient times or in cultural uh, contexts in uh, ancient Japan or even uh, contemporary Japan. Uh, the Soto Shu in Japan would not approve of what we do here, and I don't care. Not looking for improvement or improvement or improvement. Yeah, either one. So, yes, they can be. And you could do that to yourself and not particularly be very helpful to lock down on sitting at this time every day, no matter what, that kind of thing. That being said, I would trust you. I would say maybe you do need to be a little heavy handed with yourself. So, yeah. So it needs to come out of awareness rather than out of obeying something or agreeing something. I, I endeavor to meet people where they're at. And I, some people I know that I think are extremely serious and sincere practitioners don't sit a lot, but their sincerity is powerful. And I don't know what it's like to be them or deal with their particular confusion. But uh, sometimes all I sense is their, their frustration. So more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for